From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Monday edition. Israel is at war. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. That was Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu just a little while ago. We'll get a live update from Jerusalem when CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell joins us. And did the $6 billion released to Iran by the Biden administration fuel the attack by Hamas? What do you say about the argument that money is fungible? So Iran may have known this money is coming and used other funds to help fund this attack that happened. Iran has, ha, Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism, on supporting groups like, uh, like Hamas. That was Secretary of State Antony Blinken on NBC's Meet the Press with Kristen Welker yesterday. We'll explore this connection further when I'm joined by retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, former Deputy Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. You know, it appears evident to me that while it may not have been a catalyst, as this attack by Hamas has been months in the planning, the paralysis that descended upon the Congress with the ouster of Speaker Kevin McCarthy could have been the opening. The question now is, will the Republicans come together this week and select a leader? We have to get a speaker elected uh, this week uh, so we can get things on the floor like replenishing the Iron Dome, um, get a resolution that Chairman or Ranking Member Meeks and I have been working on, bipartisan resolution condemning Hamas for what they have done to Israel. That was Chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Michael McCall, on CNN State of the Union yesterday. Now, I've had several conversations over the weekend with members, rank and file, and they are presently far from an agreement on selecting a leader. And so we need to be praying for them. We'll talk with Missouri Congressman Mark Alford in just a little while. And in other news, another example of parents taking back their schools last month in Pennsylvania. The school is supposed to be a safe place where children come to learn core subjects and get prepared for a successful life after school. But somewhere along the line, some of the staff have steered away from integrity and principles and are allowing agendas to be pushed in our schools. That was Tim Jagger, a parent that spoke out on September the 11th about the school's transgender policy that forced girls to use restrooms with biological males. Four days later, students at Perkiman Valley School District held a walkout to protest the policy, which led the school to reverse its transgender stance. We're going to be joined by Tim Jagger later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. And I'm going to have a action item for you a little bit later. Our word for today comes from Acts chapter 20, where the Apostle Paul gives his farewell address to the church leaders of Ephesus. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Paul's referring to the moral responsibility of a prophetic watchman, which the Lord described to Ezekiel when he said, quote, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand, end quote. The church, especially pastors, have a responsibility to proclaim the entire word of God and give warning 
of the consequences that come when the truth of God is rejected. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. Well, as uh, has been stated, the nation of Israel is at war. Following Saturday's surprise attack by the Hamas terrorist group, the world looked on in horror as video of the brutal invasion played out in near real time online. Hundreds have been killed, including a confirmed nine Americans. Thousands injured and at least 150 hostages have been taken. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu delivered a short message just a little while ago in Jerusalem comparing Hamas to ISIS and saying this, quote, Israel will win this war, end quote. Joining me now from Jerusalem to discuss the latest from this still developing war is Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau Chief with CBN News. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be with you again, Tony. So, uh, Chris, give us the latest. I know you and I have spoken over the weekend. Give, give me the latest on, on uh, what's happening there tonight in Israel. Well, one major development, Tony, is the 300,000 reservists that have been called up. I think it's the fastest call-up within 48 hours that Israel's had in its history. Uh, it looks like all the communities on the southern border have been uh, taken back, controlled by the IDF, although 15 of the 24 communities there on the southern border have been evacuated. Uh, that's one thing on the southern border. On the northern border, there are some things uh, happening. Yesterday, Hamas fired uh, some mortars into uh, into northern Israel uh, that has been retaliated by the IDF. Uh, just a little while ago, there were um, six infiltrators that came in across the border. So that's something uh, key to watch out what happens on the northern border. Will Hezbollah um, come into this uh, conflict? Here in, in Jerusalem, you know, on Saturday morning, we were woken to many sirens and then the sounds of the uh, Iron Dome anti-missile system shooting down those rockets. So this afternoon, there were more rockets in this area. We were uh, on our balcony there at the News Bureau listening to the sirens and hearing some of the Iron Dome um, uh, interceptors take down some of the rockets. However, some did fall uh, just outside of um, uh, Jerusalem. But the main story... Uh, Tony, is is what happened with uh, this carnage. This is something Israel has never, ever seen. And uh, you can see the anger and the fury out of uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu to see whole families that were slaughtered, this rape concert, maybe 260 people massacred at that. And then the video of uh, so many people literally being kidnapped in real time and some of the atrocities of desecrating the bodies inside uh, the Gaza Strip on the streets. Uh, this is infuriating many Israelis, and I think they're going through a whole different series of thoughts. They're confused. How could this have happened? We know, for one, it's really been a massive and colossal intelligence failure. Uh, but right now, I would say Israelis are rallying back to go ahead and uh, and take back Gaza and destroy um, Hamas, I was talking to the IDF uh, spokesman uh, yesterday, and he said this is a sea change. Uh, things aren't going to go back the same as normal, and, uh, and Israel will eventually win this war. Yeah, I, I'm going to talk with General Boykin a little bit later about the intelligence failure here, because that's something Israel is known for is good intelligence, and we've not seen something of this magnitude in 50 years 
the, the comments, the statement earlier this evening from the prime minister w- were very measured and determined and very precise uh, when he says that we will finish this war. I think they've been restrained by the international communi- community in the past. I, I get a sense that they're, they, he was serious when he says he's going to finish this. I get the same thing, uh, same feeling, uh, not only from Prime Minister Netanyahu, but from other uh, officials, that what they want to do is they uh, want to destroy Hamas and its infrastructure. That was the message uh, we, when we talked to Ambassador uh, Danny Danon, former Israeli ambassador to the United Nations. I think the sense about the military leadership and the political leadership, as well as Israelis right now, is they're not going to tolerate a terrorist state on its border. Um, they've done that for many years. Uh, Hamas took over the Gaza Strip in 2007. And during that time uh, since then, they've fought uh, a number of operations, but they've been limited in scope. And they've usually had some sort of a ceasefire at the end. I don't think there's going to be a ceasefire at this time unless they maybe succumb to international pressure until Hamas is really uh, devastated. And uh, the, the carnage, the, the, the kind of visceral reaction to this here in Israel, I think, is going to uh, propel the military and the political leadership to go ahead and do that. Uh, you know, Tony, I, I, you know, too, uh, Israel is sort of like a family. Each and every man and woman has to serve in the IDF. Uh, everybody knows somebody that's in the army, who's been in the army, and or maybe who has uh, been affected by this uh, this carnage. And so I think... Uh, Israel, even though it's really confused and it was uh, angry at the intelligence failure, I think they're going to join forces and do what they can to eliminate Hamas forever. I've seen some uh, video that has uh, been sent to me uh, of of showing some of the uh, very graphic carnage that has taken place, and I, and I am I've worked with some of the IDF. Uh, members in years past, and I know there's a very tight-knit community because it, everyone serves. And to see what has been done to some of those uh, members of the IDF um, that were uh, overrun, and as you mentioned, how they've been, their, even their bodies desecrated. I, I don't think, in my sense is, Israel's not going to be as sensitive to the international community telling them to stop. I, I think they are going to finish this once and for all because, as you said, this goes beyond anything we've seen before. Yeah. In fact, when we talked to Ambassador Danny Danone, he said he's been in touch with his colleagues uh, after being in the U.N. for five years, some of his uh, colleagues around the world. He's been saying to them, we appreciate your sympathy now, your support now. But when things change in about a week or two, when the the videos are going to come out, maybe from Gaza, when maybe Palestinian families are in harm's way, then that is the time when true friends stand with us. And don't forget exactly how and why this conflict started. Uh, It's predictable, Tony. I know you've seen this before. I have seen this before. Uh, Israel gets attacked. When it responds, the whole narrative changes, and Israel becomes the aggressor and and not the victim. And so I think that's going to be the true test uh, when we see in a week or two uh, and expected a ground uh, invasion expected into the Gaza Strip, and that's going to be the change. But I I think you're right. I think Israel, because of what's happened, because of maybe I've heard numbers now of 1,200 Israelis murdered, uh, women and children, elderly, uh, even Holocaust survivors. Uh, I think it's a whole different world right Right. now, a new paradigm shift 
for Israel, and they're not going to be, I think, as sensitive to the you, the international community as they have been in the past. Right. It, well, in the past, it's been mostly rockets that have been fired. In fact, I was there in the summer of uh, 2014 when there were all those attacks there, and we spent a lot of time in uh, in bunkers. But this is different where you have actual invasion and you have the, the, the wholesale slaughter of, uh, of civilians. So, uh, Chris, before we run out of time, two things. One, does the IDF seem to have a handle on the situation now or is it still very volatile? Well, I think they have a handle on the situation down there in those communities. Like I said, many of them have been evacuated all right. I, I would add that uh, just uh, a few minutes ago, the Home Front Command is asking all Israelis to have 72 hours worth of food and water. So they're preparing for, uh, you know, a retaliation and, uh, and that invasion. I would add Tony, too, as well. I don't think I've known of in many prayer uh, meetings, home groups, and people around the world, Christians praying for Israel right now. And I think that's a very important point to be making. And as uh, my friend uh, Robert Bishop Robert Stearns from Eagle's Wing said, this is affecting the Jewish community around the world. So if you have a Jewish friend, reach out to them, uh, comfort them. If you have a local synagogue, tell them you're standing with them. Well, that was my second question, and we're, we're up against that break. But the number one thing that we need to be praying for right now for Israel, what is it? Uh, wisdom for leaders right now, comfort for the families, especially for those that have lost loved ones and those who have their loved ones right now in captivity. I think those yes. are two, two big things. And, uh, and pray that Israel can uh, do what it needs to do. All right, Chris Mitchell, we will do that. Thank you for staying up so late there in Jerusalem to, uh, to join us here on Washington Watch. We're praying for you. Thanks, Tony. Well, folks, uh, you heard the instruction. We need to be praying. All right, later we're going to talk with General Boykin more about this. But don't go away. More Washington Watch next. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. 
You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this uh, Monday. The website's TonyPerkins.com. When the Biden administration uh, brokered that hostage swap with Iran last month that included the release of $6 billion in oil money that had been frozen to the regime, critics of the deal noted that the agreement would not only embolden the world's largest state sponsor of terror, but free up resources for them to, to act. And, of course, we've known that they've been a longtime supporter of Hamas. Uh, that's where they get a lot of their backing from, is from Iran. So as reports developed that Iran both approved and supported the Hamas invasion of Israel, the culpability of the Biden administration, I, I would say, seems to be apparent. But at a time that requires great leadership, the House of Representatives, well, they're paralyzed by its vacant speaker's office and remains unable to counter a feckless Biden administration. So what are the next steps that we're going to see Republicans in the House take this week? Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Mark Alford. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee, the House Agriculture Committee, and the House Committee on Small Business. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Congressman Alford, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Good to see you, Tony. I just got in from Kansas City. Well, I'm, I'm sure that your constituents are concerned about what's happening around the world, especially in uh, Israel, but probably just as concerned about what's happening on Capitol Hill and the lack of leadership. What uh, I've had a number of conversations with your colleagues this weekend. What are you hearing as the way forward? Well, look, this is a very important decision that we're going to have to make. Leslie and I have spent a lot of time in prayer, uh, even today at the airport when she saw me off praying that. Uh, God is going to raise up the next Speaker of the House and that we are going to be able to make the decision that he wants us to make in this race. It's, it's down between Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan, two fine men, two men of integrity, two leaders uh, who have different strengths. And uh, I, I still uh, have not decided how I'm going to cast my vote uh, tonight. In 25, 35 minutes, we're going to convene an HC5 uh, in the bowels there of Congress, uh, the Capitol Hill, and we are going to begin the discussions. Tomorrow night, we have a forum uh, where the two candidates will make their pitch, and then on Wednesday, we will vote. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a unified vote, that we can come out with 117 votes on the House floor to show unity and move forward. I, I think given what's happened uh, over the weekend in Israel, uh, 
I, you know, I, I certainly this thing has been in the planning for some time, but uh, it would uh, it would be hard not to think that this may have been an opening because Congress is paralyzed without a speaker. And so Hamas may be taking advantage of that opportunity has uh, perpetrated something that we haven't seen in decades uh, in, in Israel. So I hope that it is that that sense of urgency has settled upon your colleagues. Well, and I hope that the chaos caucus who forced Kevin McCarthy out of office uh, realize that they may have contributed not to the murders of uh, the Jewish people in Israel, but to the overall sense of chaos that's going on in the world. When we have a president who, as you said, is feckless, failing and flailing and really doesn't even know what day of the week it is, he called a lid on his day at about 1130 today, said he's going to make some calls to world leaders, but we need to hear from him from the Oval Office. This could be the start of a conflagration of of battles and wars between different states. This is a, a, a powder keg that we are sitting on right now. And for us not to have a leader in the White House who can sit behind the resolute desk and be resolute in his thinking and his speech is a disgrace to the United States of America. In the same vein, we must have a leader soon in the speaker's position that can lead us forward with clarity, determination, a strength for Israel, uh, more support for Israel to rebuild their Iron Dome, and uh, just a more uh, resolute uh, unified force that will guarantee Israel uh, and, and, and guarantee their future, help them guarantee their future. Mark, I'm, I'm going to give you a question you probably would not get on most interviews that you would do, but I know you, you and I have had broken bread together. We've talked. I know where you're coming from. Give our viewers and our listeners a sense of the significance of this spiritual moment and, and what is happening and, and why we need to be praying, but not just praying, but acting as well under really the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I think anyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who God has touched their life in some way, especially through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, knows this moment in time is significant. I never thought I would see this day, Tony, where we would see Jewish people butchered in the streets, grandmothers shot in the head, little children rounded up. There hasn't been this many Jewish people killed in one particular time frame since the Holocaust. I know that God has a plan. I know how it all ends. I'm not ready to be a part of that right now, but I want to make the decisions here in Congress in a godly fashion, with God at my side, to help me lead others and to help be a part of the leadership here that will, that will um, maybe provide some peace to America and confidence for our, our Jewish brothers and sisters. I think now, now is the time for uh, all people to pray, all believers to be praying for the many believers like yourself that are in Congress, that uh, there would be a sense of direction and peace and unity that would uh, really just flow through the Capitol in the next 48 hours. Uh, Mark, I, w I want to thank you for taking time to, uh, to join us today, and uh, I, I will be praying for you. Thank you, Tony. God bless you. 
And folks, I want to challenge you to pray for Congress. In fact, this was the action item. I've got a prayer pledge. I know a lot of people are praying for Israel, and we need to pray for Israel. But right now, I think the void, one of the huge voids, is the lack of leadership on Capitol Hill. And so I want to encourage you to to take this prayer pledge, and I'm going to deliver it uh, tomorrow to the Republicans as they're gathered to contemplate the selection of a leader. Actually, I'm going to do it Wednesday morning. Text the word SPEAKER to 67742. That's the word SPEAKER to 67742. You'll get a link. Take the prayer pledge, sign it, and I'm going to deliver this to the Republican conference. So I want to encourage you to be praying. Pray for Israel. This is a significant moment. Pray for America. We need to lead. I think this weekend was an example of what happens when America does not is not capable of leading. All right, don't go away. More Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Again, uh, the prayer pledge to pray for Congress as they contemplate this week, selecting the next speaker, which they need to do. Just text the word speaker to 67742. That's 67742. Be praying for for them. All right. I've, we, we talk about this quite frequently and it's an encouraging thing that's happening across America where parents are uh, engaging in public education and students are also standing up. It should be the adults, all right? And, and 
I see this in girls' sports where, you know, men aren't, aren't doing anything and the girls are have to stand up. Well, last month, students at Percoman Valley High School, uh, this is in Pennsylvania, staged a walkout to protest their school district's new bathroom policy, allowing students to use the bathroom of their self-described gender identity. Now, the walkout was sparked after school officials failed to enact a policy requiring students to use the facility of their biological uh, sex, despite safety objections from female students. Now, what triggered this was actually a parent who spoke out on behalf of his daughter. What a novel idea. Actually, fathers standing up and speaking out for their children and for their daughters. Well, joining me now is that parent. Tim Jagger, he brought attention to the bathroom policy after the school officials uh, dismissed his daughter's complaints of men in the girls' bathroom. Tim, welcome to Washington Watch. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Tim, let me first say thank you for being a man and for standing up and doing what men should be doing all across this country. Yes, thank you. And, uh, there's more and more people like us standing up, and it's really good to see. And it's, I'm, I'm glad to see it's happening more across the country that that people are taking their children's uh, safety and risk in in, uh, in their own hands and standing up and talking at school board meetings and bringing this to light. Now, you you spearheaded this effort to reverse this policy after your daughter told you about a boy in the in the high school girl's bathroom, but it led to the students then actually walking out of the high school. Uh, Kind of walk us through what happened, how this all developed. Well, it all started with the the board meeting. Well, actually, I guess the very beginning was my daughter told me about the incident where she was in the bathroom on her first day of high school. And she was like, I believe a boy came in. And I was like, really? So the following couple of days, I asked her about it. And at that point, she just replied that she was no longer using the bathrooms there. She was afraid to go into facilities. So then I had reached out to the school principal who had responded, you know, admitting that they allow people to go into the bathroom depending on their gender identity. And at that point, I had made a post on Facebook then bringing it to more of the community's eyes because many people, just like myself, you know, weren't informed about this. Even members of the board, they were not aware of this policy that that uh, biological men were being allowed into the women's bathroom and vice versa. So at that point, the board, you know, they tried to enact policy and then um, it got struck down. And after it was struck down, then the students took it upon themselves to start talking about a walkout. And then what we have is what you see in that video, about four or 500 students walked out of the, the school in protest that one day. And then as a result, the school board voted uh on the policy again and actually enacted the policy protecting females in the restrooms and other facilities. Correct. Yes. In the last meeting that we had um, this past Monday, they did pass policy 720 that was limiting you know, biological men into the men's room, biological women into the women's room. And there's multiple uh, single stall bathrooms, unisex bathrooms that are available for anybody that's uncomfortable. And they also opened up some of the staff bathrooms also for uh, just to have extra and adequate bathroom facilities for people that are uncomfortable using the bathrooms that align with their biological sex. So, Tim, final question for you. What would you say to parents across the country, in particular men, right, in particular men, about addressing this nonsense? We know this is not right. This is foolishness. But people are afraid to speak out. 
what would you say to those fathers who know this is going on in their schools? You just have to speak up. I mean, I, I knew myself that I was going to endure plenty of hatred and anger, anger against me, but you just need to stand up for your children and, and other people's children that don't know what's going on. I mean, it's, it's basic, basic biologics. I mean, men should be in the men's room, girls in the girls' room, same with sports. And it's all about the safety and privacy of our children. You know, the young children that are in a school setting, they should be learning about education and not being brought into this gender ideology phases. It has no, no right being in school at this, this time. So what has been the response? Have you gotten support from, uh, from other parents after you stood up and spoke about this? Yes, I've gotten plenty of support from other parents. Um, I've had people from other school districts actually reach out to me asking about the, the processes because they're looking at trying to you know, perform the same thing in their districts. So it's encouraging to hear others standing up and, and reaching out. And I've received messages all from all over the country in different states from people that are applauding me for standing up and saying something. And, but at the same time, it's not just me. It's our entire community, like my community, we came together and uh, we're, we're a very good team and we all have each other's backs to say and uh, we all support each other, which is very good to see. Tim Jagger, I want to thank you. Courage breeds courage. And so as more men step forward, others will step up as well. So I want to thank you for uh, for making a difference right there in, in your own community and literally across the country. Thanks for joining us today. Yep, thank you. All right, folks, you can stand up, too, and make a difference. All right, when we come back from the break, I'm going to be joined by retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. We're going to talk more about this attack in Israel. You don't want to miss this conversation. That's next here on Washington Watch. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply 
and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Ken Blackwell. The Bible teaches us that those who would do evil love the darkness. It also teaches us that we each have a light and we're not to hide that light under a bushel. The FRC team not only uh, doesn't hide its light under a, a bushel, we put our lights together and we rush the darkness. We punch holes in the darkness of our time. Congratulations to you. Keep up the good work. That was my good friend Ken Blackwell, former Secretary of State of Ohio and Ambassador to the United Nations Civil Rights Commission. All right. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed today that Israel will win the war that began with a surprise invasion from Hamas in southern Israel and left hundreds dead, thousands injured, and at least 150 confirmed hostages captured. The Israeli military has deployed soldiers and tanks to the area, anticipating the next stage of its response, which uh, many analysts believe will include a ground invasion of Gaza. And I think listening to what uh, the prime minister said, I think that is true. Hours ago, a spokesman for Hamas military wing, uh, their wing, threatened to execute a civilian hostage for every time an airstrike hits Palestinian holdings. What can we anticipate now that this war has begun, what might be be behind this, and where is it leading? Joining me now to discuss all of this and more, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who serves as Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council. General Boykin spent the last four years of his 36-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force which was established to focus on counterterrorism and hostage rescue operations. General Boykin, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Well, it's good to be with you, Tony. Now, General, you've actually trained with the Israeli Defense Forces. You've spent time in Israel working with them. You know the land quite well. Um, but I, I want to start with, I think, the most obvious. Uh, was this an intelligence on the a failure on the intelligence front from for the Israelis? Unequivocally, 
It is. Tony, when I lived over there with the Golani Brigade, I also worked with uh, their intelligence services. And uh, and I will tell you, they were they had no equals, I think, in the intelligence business uh, because it was a matter of uh, national survival for them. So they had to be in their A game every day. And I think uh, what has happened is the internal turmoil that is taking place in Israel, the uh, the squabbling in the Knesset and the the, the many, many uh, political parties that they have there, I think they took their eye off the ball. And as a result of that, they just simply missed it. Because I can tell you, the, the, the people that I served with over there, that I was uh, became close to over there, uh, if they were still in positions that they were in at, at the time that I was there, I don't think this would have happened. Yeah, I uh, during a, the time that I worked with the uh, State Department's anti-terrorism effort, I worked with a number of Israelis, and they were, as you said, they were they were top of the line because they had to be because this was real for them. I, I think you're absolutely right when you look at. There's been all the controversy over the judicial reforms. Uh, I mean it. You, you, it split the country. You've had so many elections. Um, it, it's just been for the last really four years. We've just seen turmoil in Israel. Uh, so I, I want to step back for just a moment. Should that not speak to the United States? May we find ourselves in a very similar position given what's going on here? Yeah, that's a great point, Tony. And I think that the answer to that is is again an unequivocal yes. That same kind of thing could happen to America. We've had our 9-11. But uh, if we don't uh, make some very clear decisions in terms of uh, what we are going to do in our military, as well as our intelligence services, and that includes uh, the FBI, uh, we're going to see the same thing. You know, they're still out there. They still want to destroy us. And uh, and I think that we have got to get more serious about this because we've got enemies that have told us that they want to destroy us. Well, when you look at our southern border, how porous that border is, where we've had over 7 million have crossed the border since uh, President Biden took office. And then all across the country today, we've seen these pro-Palestinian uh, demonstrations in major cities. I mean, I would think we have our own potential problems uh, right here at home. Yes, and that and that's a very good uh, point to bring up, Tony. Uh, people say, and you hear every commentator say when when asked what is their ultimate objective, and they say it's to destroy Israel. It is to destroy Israel. They can't do that. And they're not stupid enough to think that they can do that. But what they can do is unite these these uh, groups all around the world, uh, not just in the Middle East, but these groups all around the world uh, will be reunited with them. And, uh, and that could bring on a new set of problems and a, certainly a much larger and more uh, determined uh, enemies and and. Again, we've got to wake up and understand that we could be next. General Boykin, uh, having trained and served with the Israeli military, the mindset there is much different. And I think you heard the speech, very brief comments from the prime minister earlier this evening, very resolute, 
what is your sense in terms of what the Israeli military will do to neutralize the threat from Hamas? Okay, we start with the intel, because this is going to require a great deal of intelligence, and they're going to have to work overtime uh, to make sure that they gather the intelligence that will uh, assure them that they know where the targets are that they should be hitting. I think there will be a ground war. I don't think that uh, the the prime minister has has said nothing to give us uh, an inkling that he is willing to do anything other than going in there and cleaning this place out. And that's what he needs to do. And uh, and that's going to require ground force. And they have uh, they've been in there several times before. I don't know if it's five or six times they've been into Gaza and and had uh, all-out warfare there in Gaza. But this time, I don't think they're going to stop until they have uh, essentially uh, destroyed Hamas. They have to. They don't have any choice. They Look at the number of people that they have killed in there in this in this operation that uh, that the uh, Hamas has killed there is incredible. It is just incredible. And, and and this is a, I mean, we, we all know Israel. We all know that uh, Israel, it takes its security seriously, but one lapse in, in, in your, in your focus on what you're up against and how they could come after you, uh, it can be very damaging. And, and I think that's what has happened here. I, I want to go to motivation here for just a moment, General. Uh, I know we're we're looking at this; it's just unfolding, and it's still, as we were talking with Chris Mitchell earlier, it, it is still very volatile, and and we don't know the outcome here. But the the sense of timing here by Hamas, of course, the connection with Iran. Iran been a longtime funder of uh, Hamas and their terrorist activity, as well as Hezbollah. But what do you think the uh, there's been a lot of discussions. This hasn't made a lot in the news. It's been talked about a little bit about the uh, the Saudi-Israeli peace discussions uh, that have been uh, underway to bring about a greater level of peace, which I don't know if everybody knows it, but Iran and Saudi Arabia are bitter enemies. Uh, could that have factored into this to try to disrupt the normalization of those relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel? Yeah, certainly uh, it could. But uh, keep in mind, even though they are traditional uh, enemies, uh, it's the Sunni-Shia split, it's the Persian-Arab split. Uh, Back about six months ago, uh, President Xi, after having visited Russia and talked about a new world order, he then invited uh some of the uh other leaders in that part of the world there and then finally he went over to Saudi Arabia and they sat down with Iran and they brokered what is allegedly a peace agreement between those two so i don't think that we should make the mistake of having any great expectations of the Saudis becoming friends with Israel or with America. I think they'll play the game to the extent that they have to, but I don't, I don't see that as being, uh, as, as actually coming to fruition in terms of a, a, a an ally type, uh, 
situation or uh, outcome. But what I think is important is for the Israelis to recognize that you cannot trust the Saudis. You just mm -hmm. can't trust them. And keep in mind that on 9-11, the majority of those people uh, were from Saudi Arabia. So, General Boykin, let's talk about the Biden administration just weeks ago in the hostage uh, prisoner exchange where they also released $6 billion in frozen oil assets to Iran. Is that a factor? Well, I think unequivocally that is a factor, yes. And, uh, and we're, uh, the administration is telling us none of that money has been released. And that, absolutely, if you say so, I believe you. I believe it hasn't, hasn't been released. But I am not stupid and nor are most Americans stupid enough to not recognize that that money is still a factor because they could have en encouraged uh, the, the uh, Saudis uh, to give them the money up front, and then uh, they could get it back at a later time. So um, I think that this is just foolishness for us not to think that this they can't get this money now just because it hasn't been released. And I think that's exactly what is going to happen. They're ultimately going to give them the money. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Saudis or some of the others gave them the money up front to be able to launch this operation. You talk about our military and the, what needs to happen there. I want to play a clip from John Kirby uh, this was just a couple of hours ago on Fox, uh, asked about, um, well, I'm just going to play the clip and I'm going to get you to respond to it. Play, uh, play the John Kirby clip, please. You he he said it was more frightening than a nuclear war. Is that, it's more frightening than a nuclear war in this moment? The president believes wholeheartedly that climate change is an existential threat to the all of human life on the planet. That's just science. That's a fact, Martha. So with everything that's unfolding globally right now, it is climate change that our military, this administration wants to focus on. Yeah. Again, I don't think Americans are stupid. And, and, and you really have to dig deep to be able to make a claim like that. That is not true. It is simply not true. One EMP, one EMP fired over the United States will destroy about 80% of the United States, an electromagnetic pulse. Uh, it's just, it's crazy for us to keep uh, saying this, but it's even crazier for those who believe it, that this is worse than uh, a nuclear weapon. Really? You really believe that? Is, is this to try to distract Americans from the real problems? I think it is. I think it's very much. So, General, last question for you. You know, we've, we've been watching over a year now in Ukraine. Uh, how, how long do you think we're going to see military action in Israel. How long is this going to take to play out? 
Listen, I I think that this is going to be months and months. It could go a year. I mean, it depends on just how determined the Israelis are to destroy Hamas. It's It's going to go on for a long time. But a lot of that is not going to be fighting, per se, in the Gaza Strip. A lot of that is going to be uh, doing the intelligence work that has to be done to be able to identify every target they ought to be uh, killing or destroying. And sometimes it's humans and sometimes it's facilities. But uh, the other thing is, uh, when they do start, uh, it's going to go. It's going to go on for quite a while. And th- this is complicated by the hostages. Mm-hmm. It's complicated by the hostages, and I can assure you. Right now, we either have on the ground, on board a ship, or pre-positioned somewhere in the area, we've got our counter-terror forces because there are Americans that have been captured. And uh, the United States, I'm sure, is going to insist that our forces be there for any any rescue operations that uh, that are launched out of there. And I, again, uh, there these these forces can launch in four hours. Yeah, I mean, with their full equipment, and they have planes on standby that allow them to launch in four hours to wherever they're going and whatever part of the world it is. So, General, I got, uh, I think we're up against. A, we're at the end of the program. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation throughout the week. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, great to have you on the program. All right, folks, we are slap out of time. Join us again tomorrow. Until then, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.